Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. I got a bunch of stuff to talk about and the giveaway drawing for the modified Sega Genesis. Also, just uh, an apology in advance to everybody. I have, like, the worst stiff neck I've had in my life. I've only had two others this bad. So if, uh, if I'm extra twitchy or grumpy or Frankenstein-y or something, uh, sorry. I just, uh, I'm going to try to get through this one. I don't want to rush anything, but uh, I'm not going to, no long discussions this time. I'm just going to get through them and then go drink a whole bunch of beers till I feel better. But anyway, let's jump in. TR Fightstick is now building custom metal cases for Capcom CPS3 arcade boards. And it was kind of funny because when I saw this article pop up on my phone, I was hanging out with a friend that had a CPS3 bare board. Uh, so, of course, I immediately forwarded it over and everything. But this is cool, uh, and I really like stuff like this because everybody needs a good way to store arcade boards, especially if you're using them. You're constantly pulling them out, using them with super guns. I think just Plexi is a perfectly good option. Uh, it, at the very least, will stop you from knocking into things with it or anything. You know, it'll make it harder to just short something out. But whenever there's the ability to have something functional that looks really cool too, I'm 100% on board. So uh, it's 125 bucks, which I guess for things arcade-related is reasonable. It's still more expensive than I'd like to pay for a case. But if I owned a CPS3, I would absolutely pick one up. So anybody interested, definitely check it out. The Mr. FPGA ColecoVision Core has just gotten support for the Super Game Module, doubling its RAM to a whopping 32 kilobytes. I do very much remember being a kid and having a Tandy 1000 with a 128K built in and getting an upgrade board that was like this freaking big, that was 256K total. Uh, so yeah, that stuff kind of cracks me up nowadays. But um, it's a, a fully updated core that adds a bunch of other things as well. So if you were trying to play Coleco on a Mister, definitely go for it. I I think I played with Coleco a little bit just to kind of test it out. I didn't really, to be honest, I haven't clocked hours uh, hours with the Mister. Only really just testing. But the Coleco core seemed to work great. So uh, maybe it was just the games I tried. But if anybody's a fan, definitely let me know what you think. And uh, I think it's certainly approaching a point where uh, I would go to that to play Coleco games as opposed to, you know, original hardware over RF. Work has just begun on PC Engine and TurboGrafx-16 CD support. Electron Ass has just posted his initial open source code and is uh, wanting anybody with any knowledge to take a look at it and see if they could contribute. As with almost everything Mr. Based, it's fully open source, and the more people that could contribute knowledge, the faster we may all get PC Engine and TurboGrafx CD support on top of the already pretty solid Hue card support. The SNES core for the Mr. has just been released to the public for anybody to try out or contribute to, and this is just 
I mean, it's kind of exciting stuff because a year and a half ago, there was zero chance of anybody getting a working FPGA SNES. Um, you know, there were two sort of in the works. There was uh, one in Japan that uh, was sort of functional. And it just was one of those things that people assumed would be super hard or could only probably be available for a lot of money. And now that we all just get to try it, I think uh, I think that's pretty cool. So I'm hoping that people can uh, contribute and maybe we can get a, a solid SNES solution on the Mister. Also, uh, this is the first article written by Ray Commend, so I'd like to welcome Ray. Um, like I've said, anybody that wants to uh, contribute to the site, please just contact me directly and we'll give it a try. Once again, you know, I'm, I'm new at this too, so you're going to have to excuse me. I'm sure I'll make a few mistakes along the way, but so far everything's been running pretty nicely and working with everybody's been great. So uh, thanks to Ray um, and uh, congrats on the SNES core getting to a public release because I, I really am looking forward to trying it out as soon as I can. A new Atari 2600 mod board has been released called the Atari 2600 Multi-Mod. This one offers composite video output as well as a pause gameplay function. Um, you could mount this where the RF adapter was for the composite port, and you would either have to drill holes for audio or, as I usually like to do, just have maybe even like a 35 millimeter jack hanging out the back with, uh, of course, with some um, cable ties in there or something to make sure there's strain relief. But as always, I never like cutting any kind of plastic. But, you know, this is pretty cool because a lot of people are totally fine with composite video and have a CRT that they could use this on. So all they just want is a step above RF, which, you know, I think is a perfectly reasonable request. So anybody looking for an easy composite video board that adds pause functionality, check this one out. Darksoft has just released a firmware update for his multi-MVS. This one supposedly fixes all reported bugs, which is great news. I'm, I'm sure there's always going to be things people run, to, run into. Maybe there's bugs that aren't related to the multi-MVS. So you could always go to his forum and post. The people there are really friendly, so they're able to help. Uh, if they're able to help, they usually do. Uh, some of the changes that are, have been added is uh, the possibility to change the region of the console. The possibility to disable hotkeys completely, which I think is great because uh, I know a lot of people that still have coin functionality built in. And before the trolls get on me about ROMs and stuff like that, I know a few people with very respectable MVS collections. Maybe not every single game, but a lot. But much like my opinion on some of the rare games, they don't want to bring them to their place of business where their MVS machine is. So they use the Darksoft, and uh, I think this is great. You know, load up a game, um, it, and then unless you power off and back on again, you're not able to get back in. So that's pretty cool. It allows for true functionality of a stand-up, coin-operated arcade machine. Um, also, you could go uh, between games if you have more, uh, all four loaded up. Start plus left and start plus right could select which direction the games are in compared to which slot. So I think that's cool too. That way if you want to go from two to one, you don't have to go to three, four, and back to one. You could just back it up. Um, but overall, this is uh, it's looking like a mature product with a lot more options. Um, there's also a, a new menu update that adds a bunch of different things too, such as the, the screensaver darkens to reduce the chan chance of burn-in, things like that. And it's just... Uh, you know, in all honesty, I, I've been very happy with my Darksoft Multi-MVS for a while. And, uh, you know, I, I really didn't have a lot of the bugs other people had. I had a few weird ones, but they were fixed all in the, the two, firm, two firmwares ago, I believe. Maybe one. Um, so it's great just to see that this is uh, continuing production. 
And the only feature I'm still hoping for is just a basic, um, you know, a stripped mode. Just boot up to a list of games, choose your games, and go. Also, uh, I know that was a terrible... Uh, I know that was a terrible thumbnail. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm trying to get these articles out, and I want so badly to take the time on each one to do a cool thumbnail, and sometimes you have to make your own. There's nothing provided. So, uh, you know, I thought it was pretty neat putting the um, the interference that looks like CRT noise. Uh, I didn't have anything else to do other than the multi-MVS sticker, and I don't know what the hell I did with that blue background. I, I don't know. I must have been half asleep or something, but... Uh, Oh well, sorry Darksoft, didn't mean to disrespect your cart with a (laughs) weird thumbnail. (laughs) Greg Collins has just come up with a no-cut mod for the Ultra HDMI installations. And I think this is absolutely killer. Both because I hate cutting plastic, we all, you've heard me drone on a lot about that. But also, it's, it's really tricky to get this right as well as still being functional. So if you were to just cut out a huge chunk of the bottom and leave that HDMI connector floating, you're putting too much pressure on the board and that could cause wear and tear over time and significantly reduce the lifespan of your Ultra HDMI. Uh, If you don't cut it right, um, you know, you could squish the connector or, you know, I've done a few of these where if you took a close-up picture like this, you could see that it wasn't really professional. A few, you know, a few feet away it looked fine, but... You know, it's not just an aesthetics thing, and it's not just a preservation thing. Having a no-cut mod like this ensures that that HDMI connector is going to be properly held in place so you can get the longest lifespan out of it. Um, This kit is made by two different parts. Uh, The first raises up the kit a little bit. Um, You can see it in this picture here, just to to get it at the correct height. And the second replaces the multi-out itself. Uh, The only thing that was called a downside to this kit, which I don't think it's a downside at all, is that if you're just using HDMI, no big deal, it works perfect. But if you want to use the HDMI as well as the analog output, so if you're doing dual RGB and HDMI, you need to trim down the top of the HDMI cable. So uh, in my, I have a very strong opinion on this, that in the days where you can get a very high quality HDMI cable for 10 bucks, and they're, you know, plentily available it's not a downside that if you want to use dual functionality you have to shave off the top especially because if you just want hdmi you don't even have to worry about that so this is incredible um i'm really happy that this happened i'm really glad that both hdmi installs on an n64 just got a tiny bit easier as well as that we're saving more plastic on more consoles i really started to get um started to feel bad when some of those rare color consoles or any uh, N64s were getting cut into. So this is absolutely awesome. Uh, thank you very much to Greg for continuing to make cool stuff like this. And uh, I can't, to see, can't wait to see what else you get coming. John Linneman from Digital Foundry just posted a very great video about how terrible the PS Classic is. Uh, he went into depth onto each issue, and basically it falls short in every possible way except it's got a cool menu. Um, I, I, you know, I expected this to be maybe a step below the NES and SNES Classic consoles, but I really didn't expect it to be this bad, so it's super disappointing. Also, right at the time that this was being recorded, uh, I saw a video that somebody posted that they plugged in a keyboard and just hit escape and were able to get into the emulation settings, but... At the time of recording this, at least, that was the only person to to confirm that it was working. Whereas, uh, it's kind of funny because a few news outlets already picked up on it, but I don't think they've actually verified 
the exact situation if it works. Is it a flaw or a fluke in that one console? Is there a specific thing you need to do? Right now, supposedly, you need a very specific type of keyboard. So, I don't know. I guess more on that next week. But I think the bottom line is it doesn't really matter if, uh, you know, if you can get into all the emulation settings. It's not going to fix all the major problems with this. So, maybe if you're able to do a full hack on it and load up something else. But at that point, if you're going to go through that much trouble, it's, you're really just buying it for the case because you could use other emulation for that. I guess I'll follow up a little more next week on this, but I would consider this a complete dud. The custom firmware for the Retron 77 called the Community Build has just been updated. This version has increased compatibility, but I believe some games you still need to play from ROMs on an SD and not directly from the cartridge. And you know, that's really frustrating because while I think it's awesome that the community got together and built their own software for the Retron 77, this is a console that's been around forever. And it's been very well emulated for a long time. So it's just so disappointing that someone can't buy this and play their games. You know, while us in the RGB retro gaming community like to try and be perfectionists and get the best out of your consoles, the truth is some people just want to play. They don't care if there's any issues. So in my opinion, you know, as long as it's no added lag or at least no significant added lag, it should be a fine solution as long as it just works. <laughs> So the fact that this thing came out with a bunch of problems, um, it's very disappointing, especially for the price for 80 bucks. I mean, a, a toy that had a bunch of issues that was 30 or 40, fine, but I wish there were more things that I could recommend to people I know that really want to play their own game, their old games, their own old games, their own cartridges that they already have purchased. But there just isn't so many times the better things to do are to deal with the pain in the butt of building your own emulation solution or spending a lot of money on, you know, ROM carts, RGB mods, upscalers. And it's just sad that we don't have better solutions when companies like Hyper can absolutely have the ability to, um, you know, with everything from FPGA cores to just paying for the license of the newer version of the software. So I don't really get it. I'm sure there's something I'm missing here, but... The bottom line is I just wish there were better options for people that just wanted to enjoy their games and didn't need them to be perfect as long as the experience didn't suck. A user on Thingiverse has just uploaded a 3D print design for the Zelda World 1 map, which I just think is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Um, things like this are what would really drive me to get a 3D printer. Because while, yes, I love the cartridge cases and all of Greg's designs and you know, this now makes it both a toy that you could have fun with and uh, a, an actual piece of equipment that you use for, you know, business, if you will. But I just, I love how far people are taking all the 3D printed stuff. Uh, one note about this design is a few people looked into it, and depending on your model printer and how large you want to size this up, it could be up to 300 hours to print the entire thing. So hopefully Greg Collins will be able to uh, to put this up. I think he has a, a camera on his rig now, so you could watch the 3D print happen on Twitch. Uh, I, I think stuff like that's awesome. So hopefully he'll have that up, or a time-lapse or both or something. But if you have a 3D printer and you love Zelda 1, you might want to just give this thing a try just for the hell of it. I mean, why not, right? Pre-orders for the GDMU and RIA are now opening both this Saturday and next Saturday. Uh, these are optical drive emulators that have been notoriously impossible to get. 
Uh, and there's also no word on when on those days they're opening, so it could be any time of the day so far, at least at the time of this recording. I'm not sure if they've updated it since or will before those Saturdays, but it's just a little frustrating because a lot of people have wanted these things and you just can't get them. And then they get up on eBay for ridiculous prices. So uh, I really hope the the creator of this makes enough for everybody. Um, and I guess if you can't make it this Saturday, try next Saturday and get it. But we'll see. Uh, I just I really I wish I wish everybody could buy one because everybody would win. The creator would get more money and more funding for new projects. People that have been wanting this could actually get it. Uh, people would be less inclined to reverse engineer and steal the design like with the GDMU because you could actually purchase one. So I guess I shouldn't bitch before the sale. I just want to warn everybody, if you try to get one that sells out, ugh. Also, I think this may be one of Sterling's first posts, if not his first post. So once again, uh, you know, thanks for people, thanks to people for jumping on and adding articles. It's really cool to see other people's perspectives on things, especially people that I know are, are in the, on the same page as most of us and loving everything that's going on in the retro gaming scene and just kind of chasing after perfection. Well, it looks like we're all going broke this Saturday because Dan, a.k.a. Citrus 3000 PSI, has opened up pre-orders on his Dreamcast HDMI kit this Saturday. I guess the plan is to put 35 up for pre-order on Saturday and another 35 after that the following Wednesday as a first batch. Then, once those are sold out, and uh, I think he probably gets a little feedback, he's going to start a pre-order system and always have that open or hope to eventually just have them all in stock. He's not offering install services, but on his site, he's going to have a list of qualified installers. Um, if you've worked with people in the past that you trust, uh, if you open up your consoles and make sure that the work that's getting done is done right, uh, you know, this is not an easy mod, but it's one that a good modder can definitely accomplish. Uh, and there's a max limit of two kits per customer, obviously just to prevent scalping. So I'm pretty excited. I plan on doing a full review of this thing when it comes in. Uh, I think I know what to expect, but I, I also think that might be there might be a few surprises. So, um, you know, thanks to Dan for getting these ready and selling them. Thanks to Kristoff for working on the project as well. And if anybody is at the moment interested in more of those, please check out my interviews with both Dan and Kristoff. And uh, that way you get the inside scoop on exactly what to expect. Eon Gaming has confirmed that their Mark II product will ship on December 15th. So very short time from now. This is the dual outputting plug-and-play GameCube video device designed by Dan, Citrus 3000 PSI, that outputs both HDMI as well as RGB or component or sync on green. So either way, you could have analog and digital in all resolutions. And, uh, you know, it's very cool. I'm really excited that you could have this for 150 or for about the same price, you could have one HDMI and one digital upcoming from Insurrection. So there's finally choices for this now that you could just purchase and buy. You don't have to worry about pre-ordering or anything. So uh, I'm pretty excited about this. I'll have a little more info on it soon. I keep trying to meet up with the Justins just to ask them where where they're at with all this and any future plans, but it keeps getting canceled. So hopefully I'll have a little more of an inside scoop soon on anything else related to this. But either way, it seems like a very cool product. I'm looking forward to trying it out, and uh, I'll keep everybody in the loop. NES developer Chris Beaumont has just hacked the version of Wheel of Fortune for the NES to have all new puzzles. 
And in fact, there's a thousand new if you use real hardware, and you could have unlimited if you use emulation in a script. I guess he liked the game so much that he wanted to change everything around and make it a fresh game to play, even though it's essentially the original NES version. So I think that's really awesome. Uh, anybody that's a fan of Wheel of Fortune for NES, definitely give that a try. Raycommend just did a video reviewing the arcade 1UP stand-up consoles, and it's really disappointing. Uh, overall, it's a fun toy that could be pretty cool, but there's just so many weird things. Uh, there's shimmering going on when anytime there's vertical scrolling. Uh, he had issues with his, he had problems, and he said that when he went to Walmart to return it, he saw the Pac-Man version of it sitting up against a wall with the stickers peeling off. So the things are just a few weeks old and they already look like old, worn, beat-up pieces of equipment. So anybody that's interested in the details of what happened, uh, you check it out. Personally, you know, I think that something like this could have been great as like, a, well, let me buy it and play Street Fighter for now and then upgrade the sticks and the emulation inside with a you know better computer and then just use that panel, uh, measure the panel. If it's a very laggy panel, maybe even throw it out and put a new one in it. But for me personally, the cheap price, I think they hit 250 on Black Friday. I think 250 would have been an okay price to pay for you know, a quarter, uh, you know, a smaller sized arcade cabinet that you could add stuff to that works now. I got that um, mini arcade machine that, while technically I got it working again, the games that came with it stink. So I don't even really have anything to play until I get the whole thing hacked up. Whereas if I had bought this, you know, it might be a crappy experience, but at least I have a toy to play with as I order parts and start adding stuff. So for uh, us super nerds and hackers, I would really only pay attention to something like this if you planned on really just making your own out of it. Uh, for everybody else, I mean, if you're going to use buggy emulation, why not find any of the other methods that you could do something like this instead? But uh, also, just a, a quick aside, because there's always somebody in the comments, I started to do the write-up on this, and then Ray just kind of beat me to it. So no, he didn't sign up for an account on my site just to post his own video. I really was going to uh, do a full write-up on this anyway, but Ray did a better job than I did with the animated GIFs and stuff. So <laughs> thanks to Ray for doing it, and uh, you know, just wanted, to, just wanted to put the trolls at bay before they even started. A new shmup game for the Sega Master System was just released called Pigorous where you're a flying pig that goes around killing stuff. Uh, the game looks awesome. Um, I had seen a picture of it, or pictures and video of it being played. I tried to use it on a Genesis on my EverDrive X7, and it wouldn't boot, but I'm in the midst of doing so much testing right now. There's a chance any piece of it could have gotten screwed up, from my EverDrive to the console that I use to whatever else. And other people had said it was working on real hardware, so maybe uh, anybody who tests it wouldn't mind posting down in the comments what your experience was. And if you could, just, you know, what, whatever drive you're using, you know, what the firmware is and all that stuff. But it looks really neat, and, you know, I, I'm always a fan of homebrew games, but I'm also, uh, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting spoiled, but I, I really, really appreciate it when people go the extra mile. So I always appreciate a free game that people donate to the community, but this one looks great, and it comes with a manual that's in five different languages, and it comes with box art and cartridge art if you want to make your own. So if somebody really wanted to go through the trouble, you could make your own. Looks like a brand new factory game of Pigorous. So thanks very much to the developer, Kagazen. 
you guys know I'm screwing that up. I apologize. No, uh, no disrespect, man. But please give it a try and let me know if it works for you on real hardware. And I'll go back when I have time and check my equipment. Because I'd be willing to bet it was something I was doing in one of my test units that screwed it up. Greg Collins has just updated the 3D print design for his Noctua fan mod for the Sega Dreamcast. I guess some people had said that they had trouble closing the case after using his mod. And uh, he tried to track down a bunch of consoles to see if maybe there was a revision where the standoffs were higher than others. Um, I would always assume that it's a tolerance in the 3D print, but I think because of the ones that he printed himself might have had this issue, uh, you know, he measured them and made sure that that wasn't the case. So he just decided to go ahead and overhaul the whole mod with everything just having slight improvements on it. So if yours already fits, of course, there's no reason to upgrade. But if you were thinking about doing this, now you could definitely get the newer one. For me personally, it went right in. Maybe I had to wiggle it a little bit to make sure everything fell into place, but I thought it was a perfect fit for my Dreamcast. Uh, but either way, if you had issues with your previous mod or if you were looking to do it, now is definitely the time. And it really is a huge sound difference too, by the way. I was honest about that in my video. It was a night and day, not only the volume, but the pitch. There's a new firmware update for the PSIO, the optical drive emulator that plugs into the back of a PlayStation. And this one adds a few bug fixes as well as fixes the audio issues. So Firebrand X did a video a month or so ago that uh, went into detail of what those issues are. He tried this new firmware and said that those audio fi uh, fixes are now implemented and everything works great. Uh, in his opinion, he thinks this is a good replacement for discs now, so you could get a, a true good experience out of it. Um, other people have reported that the firmware didn't update for them or that they had some other issues, but I mean, with new firmware updates, uh, who knows? Uh, the team behind it seems pretty responsive, so if uh, there might be an extra uh, firmware, probably even by the time you, uh, you're watching or listening to this. So I would just check their website. The only thing that is a pain in the ass, and I know FPGA engineers who are listening to this are going to be screaming at me through whatever you're watching at, but you have to log into your account to get the firmware, and the firmware is tied to your devices. So, uh, or at least it seems like it's tied to your devices. And I think I know why they do that, but what if I sell my PSIO? Like, I had one of these last year, and I sold it when I had to sell everything else. So the person that got mine, uh, what do they do? You know, do they have to email and wait for their account to be transferred? Can they just create a new account? And, you know, I, I just, it annoys me. And especially annoys me because I bought mine, I bought my second one 15 months before I actually received it, which is funny because it's still sitting in the box, so I probably wouldn't have done anything anyway. But the point is, you know, I haven't logged back into that website in over a year. I didn't remember what my, you know, what my password was. So then you got to go through the reset password crap and all that. So uh, it might be an empty complaint, and most people listening might be like, oh, who cares, Bob? It's an extra minutes of time. I just wish that there were better ways to do this. Uh, other companies do it this way, and I'm equally as annoyed throughout all of them. I wish there was a way to just download it and do it, but who knows? Uh, maybe something like that will be added in the future, because the team certainly seems more responsive across the board now, not only with firmware updates, but... Uh, apparently the, they're being made um, in a better way so that, or in a quicker, more efficient way, so they're shipping out a lot better now. Fingers crossed, I guess, but I'll let everybody know once I get mine installed and tested and see what I think of this new one, because I haven't used it in over a year, uh, and even then it had a very old firmware on it, so I wasn't nearly as impressed as I could have been, and I get the feeling that I'm probably going to love this one. 
I recently did a live stream that showed me working on a Sega Genesis, trying to figure out what the RAM noise was. Um, I just, I honestly just felt like if I'm going to be doing this anyway, some people might like to see it live. And I guess some people did. Uh, but it turned out to be uh, pretty, pretty interesting for me. So first of all, it's long and boring. I really don't suggest that anybody go back and watch the whole thing unless they're really bored or just want something on in the background. Uh, and it went live afterwards. I, I double and triple checked that I had um, uploaded or Mark as unlisted set in YouTube. But I did this live stream. I, I cleaned up. I went out and met a buddy of mine. And as soon as we met up, I saw the, you know, the notification on my phone. Retro RGB has uploaded a video. So if anybody knows a, a surefire way to make sure that those don't pop up public, I just, uh, for anybody who was seeing that, I didn't want them to think this was like a prepared video with good info in it or something. This was just me hacking away, but uh, it was a bunch of interesting things because at first um, I, I just figured I knew exactly what to do, so I just started working on it. Um, and of course I had the picture of Voltar there with the whipped cream just being an asshole, but as I started working on it, I started getting the dark screen that a few people had complained about with Master System. So Zach actually dropped what he was doing and joined me on stream. So just, you know, as much as I really love teasing my friends, a, a huge and, and sincere thank you to Zach for, he was in the middle of something else, his own stuff. And uh, he stopped what he was doing to help because uh, he really wanted to make sure that the research was done and that we were able to get through this. And I tried everything to get the brightness fixed. Looked at it with magnifying glasses, took pictures and zoomed in on the pictures. Even Zach himself said the mod that I did looked great. He couldn't find anything. We used um, uh, a multimeter to check for tone to make sure that there were no bridged connections. And finally, I mean, we tried different mod boards. We even grabbed an old arcade TV board I had to try it, and it still had the same issue. So uh, I'm glad Zach showed up because I probably would have chickened out at this point just because, you know, I had no idea what it could have been. But at the last minute, we just... Uh, I, un I desoldered everything, threw out all the old wire, you know, stripped new ribbon cable, resoldered it all, and it worked perfect. So I, uh, I don't know why that, that, I don't know how or why that could have happened. Um, that kind of drives me nuts that things like that do happen. The only things I could think of is maybe it was uh, something was hitting ground in a way that it, it was showing resistance on the multimeter, but not quite having tone or I don't know. But if you've had an issue where everything is super bright and you can't, no matter what, you can't fix it, just do what I did. Take everything out, throw out all your old wire, you know, the ribbon cabling and the wire that you're using and just redo the whole thing and see. Um, a buddy of mine has an SMS that, you know, you're supposed to have brought over three months ago. It's who knows if I'll ever see him over here, but um, I, I'm definitely going to do that as well as test it on the scope and all this other stuff. But the one thing we didn't do is put it on a scope, but we did check for voltage. It was really interesting to see what was going on. So I'm assuming I was pulling something down. Uh, the, uh, but there was more important things than just reinstall the mod. We learned a few things. Uh, one of them, not quite related to Genesis, that video Zach did on the new soldering station that he recommended, I, you know, I trust Zach. He, he bends over backwards when he makes these recommendations. He takes his words seriously. He buys a ton of the soldering stations and, you know, picked one that really worked for him. It was way better. 
it wasn't like, oh, it's a little bit better. You know, oh, yeah, like when I got new tips for my old knockoff station, that was noticeably better. I thought that was cool to the point where I told my friends that had one, hey, it's worth the eight bucks for new tips. You'll notice a difference, but it didn't wow me. That new iron wowed me. Like I was doing drag soldering that he does in his videos. And I've been practicing and you know, learning from all of my friends for years now. And I was never able to do that with the correct tips, with flux, with everything tinned and working properly. And on the first try with the tip that it came with, not even the, not even the replacement tips, it, it you know, came out perfect. So if anybody was looking for a soldering station, definitely get, grab that one. I'll have links for anybody because the one thing Zach said was that there, he found many different ones that had different guts on the inside, but looked the same on the outside. Um, of course, that immediately went from, you know, people saying, oh, well, you just posted those links because you're a shill for Banggood and you want us to buy your affiliate links. You know what? If it bothers you that much, open the link in one window, then open an in private window and move that, uh, you know, move that new web address over just to guarantee it you really think it's a conspiracy, but um, that's not the case at all. Zach just has those exact links so that everybody knows that they're definitely getting the right one. Uh, he even confirmed with Banggood that those links are going to stay. And I think they actually liked the video and posted it on their site. I thought that was pretty cool too. But, um, but you know, five minutes into this rant, the huge thing that we've been learning in this too is that if you're testing these things on an OSSC with the settings dialed in, you need to make sure to compensate for the fact that after using the triple bypass or Zach's board, the sync is now properly generated. So that means that if you have tweaked your OSSE with the sync pa low pass filter on, not the main video low pass filter, that still needs to be at nine megahertz. If you have dialed in settings or if you downloaded like Firebrand X's profiles, you have to turn that low pass filter off or it'll go very blurry. And that's not, you know, that's not something wrong. That's not a bug or anything like that. It's just simply that you're dialing in settings that are designed for the Genesis's flawed sync signal. And now that it's not flawed, you have to just turn, you could just turn that off and everything is sharp and perfect. Um, the final conclusion that we're at now, you know, the December 4th, the day before this aired, for Model 1 Genesis consoles, just leave it alone for now. Uh, you can pull the subcarrier pin up, which removes a lot of that interference anyway, at just the cost of disabling composite video. I hope none of us care about that. You could always put the pin back down if you want to re-enable it. But that alone's fine for Model 1s. The VA7s are the only exception. We're still working on those. And then for all the rest of them, Model 2 and 3, use the triple bypass or the Voltar bypass because you'll just get a massively different picture. The colors are all dialed in properly. Um, I guess I'll leave a link to the, uh, the zip file that I took so that you could see for yourself the difference in the color depth. I've showed that before, but if you happen to listen, maybe I'll just add it to make it easier for you. But I mean, it was, it's pretty cool to see how, how improved the signal could be with a proper bypass. But we're still working on getting this working in the Model 1. There's still that weird RAM noise that looks reminiscent to the white line on a SNES, but all the way across the screen, not just in the middle. So we were trying a few things. Um, I found that when I moved the power directly from or directly to the 7805 on the analog rail, the noise went down. So there's been a few more clues since then. I'm happy that I got to be one of the people contributing to the clues and not just testing. 
So we'll get to it. Um, you know, at this point, we're hopefully just weeks away of either having a solution or a definitive answer of, no, don't do a full bypass on a Model 1. Here's the technical reasons why. Here's how you could double-check us. Because always double-check us. Nerds want to be double-checked. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm sorry for the long rant on this. I just... It was a five-hour live stream that turned out to be so helpful in so many different ways that Zach jumped in out of nowhere and was able to help. A lot of awesome people in the chat were a lot of fun talking to while doing all this stuff. And I'm sorry I went live after. I really wanted to just leave it unlisted, mention it here, and that way anybody who kind of wanted to listen could. But I just, uh, you know, I'm trying to, now that I'm gaining some subscribers and getting some more popular videos, I do take the channel even more seriously. And I don't want to just upload something like, hey, if you like it, you know, this is just the thing I don't care about. I want to make sure to either stick to the videos that I always do or have something, you know, something that's good content worth watching or just post it unlisted like this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks to everybody that um, that jumped in. Thanks to Zach for helping. And we're really close to, to really... I mean, this is a big deal. We're, we're getting close to fixing the Sega Genesis that's been broken since release. And speaking of Sega Genesis mods, now it's time to do the drawing for this month's supporter giveaway. Uh, this month is a Sega Genesis Model 1. This has the subcarrier lifted so that composite video is disabled, but you do get a much cleaner RGB picture. Um, the voltage regulators have been replaced with brand new ones. Uh, there's a, a new plug so that you could pop out the LED cable without having to worry about hurting the console. And of course, it has the audio jack in the back so that way you could pull audio right from here and instead of pulling it from the front headphone jack port if you want st stereo audio. So uh, it's one that's going to be kind of fun to give away because it's certainly, not only is it something at least I think is kind of cool that I get to give back to my supporters to say thank you, but it's also reflective of a project I have been knee-deep in with some friends for years now. Uh, it's been years that Renee, Zach, and I, and of course, you know, Nick and Steve and everybody else that we've dragged into this, Jose, Steve from Brooklyn Video Games, uh, you know, we've been working on this stuff for years because I love the Genesis. And it is absolutely, totally fine the way it is, but it could be so much better. So I'm really happy we're making some very serious game-changing progress with this. You know, I don't mean to, to make a Sega Genesis sound like we're saving lives, but it is kind of a big deal to me, especially. So, uh, so here it is. Let me do the drawing right now and announce the winner of this very cool Sega Genesis console. Before I do the drawing, I just no one has asked about this yet, but I just wanted to point out uh, the reason that you only see the spin wheel is because this is randomnamepicker.net. So I just didn't want everybody to get a headache because of all the flashing ads that site has on it. Uh, so if anybody new to the channel wants to know how I do these videos uh, or how I do these drawings and the exact process I go through, I put a video up about that a while back. Um, so that, it's kind of proof that I really do take the time to make sure that everybody has a fair chance in winning this. But anyway... Uh, without further ado, here is the drawing for this month's supporter giveaway for that very awesome Genesis. Manti Zero? 
Manti Zero? I think that's how you say it. I'm sorry. But Manti Zero, if I don't hear from you in a few days, I'll contact you. Uh, but I try, to let, I try to wait for people to contact me directly just because it's more fun to hear your name getting drawn on a podcast than it is to get a random email from somebody. So thank you so much for all of your support. Thanks you, thank you to everybody's support, and I hope you enjoy the Genesis. Well, that's it for this week. I think I missed a couple of stories. I think there were some things I had in my notes that I hadn't had time to write up yet, but uh, my neck's killing me. I'm going to go chug a bunch of beers and hopefully, you know, do some stretching until I feel better. But uh, anyway, thank you so much to all of the new writers. As I said before, anybody that wants to contribute, please just contact me and we'll find a way to see if it works for us. Please be patient with me and I'll be patient with you as well. I'm still learning how to be an editor of Retro RGB's news posts, but so far it's been really positive for me and I think for other people involved. I haven't had any negative feedback really and I think people that are contributing just love this stuff as much as I do and like being able to get it out to people. Uh, A lot of these things that I talk about don't really get noticed in some of the bigger blogs and it's sad because some of these projects are freaking amazing. So anybody that's interested, please let me know. Um, now that we're getting some more people on, I'll probably do a more detailed video of how it works. And I'll keep that separate. I won't bore people here on the podcast with it. But um, So thanks to all my contributors. As always, thank you so much to my Patreon subscribers. Because I couldn't make any of these videos without your support. Uh, and I'll see everybody next week. 